and welcome to Settling Scores, the musical theater podcast. We're your hosts, Stephanie Dillard. I'm Lenny West. And it's Forrest Hutchinson here. And we're so glad you've tuned in to hear us bicker and banter about all things Broadway. To continue with the B words, we'll take a hot second to share our bios. Lenny. Hey. So I was first introduced to the magic of the theater when I was something like eight years old. My third grade teacher took a small group of us to like a children's theater in Detroit to see a production of Charlotte's Web, which of course was wonderful and all the things. But then afterwards, she took us around the corner to this great little old timey soda shop, ice cream fountain. And my tiny little mind exploded when three of the cast members from that show walked in the back door, still in full makeup, oh, like wow. between shows or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of like became a real thing to me. And I was hooked for the rest of my life. Um, performed in my first play in my senior year of high school, uh, way back in the year of our Lord, 1998. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing community theater ever since in one way or another, um, directing, acting, costuming, and most recently, uh, <laughs> scenic painting, which I am woefully underqualified but for. You but you did here great. We are. They look great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, regardless of all of everything else, uh, theater still holds the same magic for me now into my 40s that it did in my little eight-year-old self. So here we are. Lovely. Lovely. Forest Origin story. (laughs) Let's see. I guess my first experience in musical theater, both my parents were musicians, but um, The Sound of Music, when I was five or six, I think, our church did The Sound of Music, and I was dying to be in it, but they would not change Greta to Greg or whatever. But, so, <laughs> so I was too young to be in The Sound of Music Amazing. then. But um, I memorized every word to that. And then I kind of took a little break. I did some with that church, did some shows, but uh, neither of my parents uh, did theater. Um, but in high school, I had a choir teacher. Uh, we picked a song from Next to Normal to do. And I was just hooked on that score, memorized every word. That show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was back in the kitchens, uh, cleaning dishes, you know, singing every word of the album without it playing, you know, yep. just... Just that, and then one thing led to another, another album, another one. I was just consuming cast recordings like crazy, going to see local theater. Um, so I don't have as much experience like actually doing theater. I've been in a couple shows um, just this past year, but um, I love to rank shows. So probably what most of my theater friends know before is I have a long list of all my cast recordings ranked. It's, up to it's like over three hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Multi-page. So that's my biggest accomplishment in the theater world. But <laughs> it is <laughs> epic. Yeah. Extremely intimidating. Yeah. There's someone there that I've never even heard of. Same. So impressive. All right. Well, I guess that means it's my turn. I grew up performing in musical theater but I ended up getting a bachelor's and a master's degree in music education and choral conducting, conducting choirs. So primarily I kind of focused on classical music and opera at that point in my life, but I always had the musical theater bug in my heart. Mm -hmm. So these days I am a full-time audiobook narrator by day and I do community theater music directing and sometimes acting and other things like did props one time for if anything happened on the way to the forum, like whatever is needed. And um, yeah, yeah. And I also would like to freely admit that I am pretty much here as the ear candy. And I am okay with that. I am so happy just to like be in the presence of the greatness going on here. I'm happy to host, happy to learn right along with, with listeners. So let's take a second and we'll talk about why we started the podcast. 
brief bit of background. I'm really big on the bees today for some reason. I don't know why. To start off, um, we live in Nashville. We're three friends who live in Nashville. We met doing theater together. And a couple months ago, we were all just sitting around a enormous, way too big, way too hot bonfire at a party at my house. And you two guys just like randomly started discussing and debating each other on musical theater topics and it was like auctioneer speed <laughs> and we were just everybody stopped talking and just started staring at you because it was so amazing uh the depth and breadth of knowledge was was very cool we were absolutely entranced and i was like so this has to be something right we can't just let, let this go and not do anything with it so one of you guys want to take over the story from here well uh, i think you said entranced enchanted something like that the words that I heard from other people at that party were like stupefied, annoyed. dumbfounded, <laughs> annoyed, <laughs> aghast, perhaps. Uh, maybe I had been you know, drinking a little bit. And, there were some and adult beverages happen. consumed. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> and you start talking and you magic happens or something. And that's that's where we are. That's right. It was great. It was, um, I haven't, this is maybe going to sound really cocky and I don't mean it that way, but like I'm obsessed with theater, everything, uh, cast recordings and, and facts and history and all that kind of thing. So to have come upon somebody who can put it right back at me was sort of fascinating and glommed onto that. So, um, thank you for that party. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was just, it was a wonderful serendipity. Yeah, and- it was. Forrest, I have never met anyone who could challenge uh, oh, Lenny's I I knowledge challenge them, until I, you. I'm, I'm honored to be here with yeah, Lenny. Lenny does know so much. We learn from each other, I think, so much. Yeah. You know, um, and I would just add that uh, we met through uh, my girlfriend, Megan, yep. that Lenny has known a lot longer. So he's known longer years. than I have. But, um, and that we would be having this conversation whether there were headphones and microphones or not. You know, we had that two hour conversation last night. Last night. You know, so anytime we're together, it's always talking about theater. So yep. always appreciative of that chance yeah. to talk. So. Yep. Absolutely. Well, the show, what it's going to be like, uh, we're going to have a different show that we focus on for each episode. This one is 1776. And we'll also have some recurring sections like quizzes and battle royale topics. But every podcast is going to have that one particular musical that we really want to hone in on, get to the nitty gritty, the meat, the heart of the broadcast. And it's going to be fun and informative (laughs) and also awesome. Totally awesome. So buckle up, dear listeners at home, because here we go. Talk to me, baby, won't you talk to me? To start us off, now is the time when we'll have a catch-up conversation and talk about any shows we've seen recently or Broadway news we have to share. Lenny, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I have seen two shows this week, actually, which is a little bit um, more than normal. Uh, But I saw, if you are in the Nashville area, the uh, Nashville Shakespeare Festival, performance of Much Ado About Nothing. Um... It was a lot of fun, very colorful. It runs for a couple more weeks. Uh, I had a, f- a friend in the cast, or was an understudy, and there was an understudy performance on, I guess it was Thursday night. I had a lot of fun there. Um, and then I also saw last night a production of Oliver at the Springhouse Theater in Smyrna. And I'm going to throw it to Forrest for that one. He has a lot more inside information on that than I do. Well, I've just been doing Spotlight for Oliver. It's a great show, um, a big cast, a lot of fun up there. 
Um, couple really good character moments, really good songs. Oliver's a classic, you know, classic for a reason. So definitely go see that. It's been really fun. I've never operated a spotlight, never <laughs> been up in the lighting booth watching the show. So that's been really enjoyable, really interesting. He did a pretty good job on spotlight. I'd give him pretty like good. a eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's Don't want to let him get a big head. Did you have anything else, Lenny? Um, well, the big news out of uh, the Broadway um, situation is the finally the release of the Sweeney Todd recording with Josh Groban and Emily Ashford. Yes. Uh, so many thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to save those, though. That's yeah. going to be our next episode. Ah. A little teaser for you. Huzzah. Well worth listening to. Um as a general thing. Uh, Forrest, did you have thoughts about Sweeney Todd? Um, just in general, yeah. I'm glad to have it. It did take a long time, it seemed like, to get that album, but I think it was worth the wait. I really enjoyed the orchestrations. We'll talk, I'm sure, more in depth about it, but overall, yes, I would say definitely worth purchasing, listening to. Mm. Steph, didn't you have a um, an experience or a near experience? Uh, with- I almost had an experience rough. with Sweeney Todd. I was supposed to go to New York City last month. Unfortunately, my wonderful husband, by the way, Props to him for helping me set all this up. You're awesome. Uh, We were supposed to go to New York City and see Kimberly Kimbo, Back to the Future, and Sweeney Todd, and he broke his toe. So Mm. you can't really walk around New York City with a broken toe. (laughs) And we really didn't want to like shell out for Ubers and taxis. And Mm -hmm. so, but we sold our tickets to all the shows, and it ended up that the performance that we were supposed to go to of Sweeney Todd, um, (laughs) Mr. Groban had to call out sick. He got the COVID. Uh, and Annalie the next night called out. It was just made its way around the cast. So I wouldn't have been able oof. to see him anyway, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, uh, did you have any other news, Mr. Forrest? Any well, convo? I'm just looking forward. There's a Broadway show. I've been hearing about it and I finally decided to look into it. It's called How to Dance in Ohio. The previews, I think, start November. Maybe it's opening oh. November. But um, it'll be on Broadway. And I'm just very excited. It's uh, based on a group of autistic youth and young adults who come together and put on a formal to help them learn social skills. So, um, but it's based on a documentary that's on HBO. The documentary is great. I'm excited slash interested to see mm-hmm. how they musicalize it, um, but very excited for that. I think everyone should check that out. Yeah. I did want to ask you, Stephanie, about, um, Stephanie is in um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest right now in rehearsals. The I want to ask you about The yeah, the star of the show, okay? <laughs> Everyone knows. Right, <laughs> so. and that's the, the set painting that Mr. West was that referring to. He awesome. sharpied on a million gabillion tiles onto those walls, and I was like, I even texted you, I was like, I know that must have been tedious as hell, but it yeah. looks so, so good. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, it's going great. Well, Thank good. you for asking. Yeah, it's, okay. It's a lot of fun, and um, I've never gotten to play a bad person before, an evil Ooh, person. Evil. I'm so into it. It's really, <laughs> really evil, yeah. Really fun. Um, the other one thing I wanted to talk about as far as news is that I just heard about a new musical called Bluebird, inspired by Nashville's uh, Bluebird Cafe as in development. Oh. And that's, you know, that's where we live, so I think that's mm-hmm. pretty cool sounding. Uh, the Bluebird Cafe, in case you're not familiar with it, it's on the outskirts of downtown Nashville, and it's really famous for launching the careers of singer-songwriters like Garth Brooks, Faith Hill, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift... And supposedly the show is going to, you know, celebrate the songwriting scene and Nashville at large. So Very yay cool. for our first city. Don Schaefer and uh, Tony Award nominee Wayne Kirkpatrick are co-writing the book, Music and Lyrics. It's being produced by Steve Buchanan. You may recognize him from the Hee Haw musical slash Shucked. Shucked. He helped mm-hmm. take that to Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirkpatrick is known for Something Rotten. He uh-huh. co-wrote that with his brother. Mm. Um, so I'm really 
I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be cool and it's going to be interesting. And I think that's it for the catch-up convo. Now we're on to the quick-fire quiz Uh-oh. portion of the show. <laughs> be scared. Be very scared. Get my buzzer finger ready. That sound means we've now come to the part of our show where I present a musical theater quiz for Forrest and Lenny, and of course you, our listeners at home, to answer with absolutely no preparation whatsoever. I swear, cross my heart, I did not give any hints (laughs) whatsoever. No, she did not. She didn't. Don't be nervous, guys, because I'm starting you off with like super, super easy one, I promise. Okay. It's currently early September, and as students head back to the classrooms, here's a little quick-fire quiz to see if you're both ready to tackle a full academic schedule with a musical theater twist, of course. So let's test your knowledge on subjects like geography, history, and math. With your smarts, and maybe some jazz hands, you're sure to get straight A's. You both have your bells at the ready. The first one to ring in gets to answer first. If that person is wrong, their opponent gets a chance to steal. All right. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, come on. All right. The subject is physics. Name the force of attraction Elphaba intends to defy. Forest. Gravity. Very good. So what is gravity? So excited about the movie version of that, by the way. The oh, movie's... Yeah, when is it coming yeah, yeah, out? Did we have a date on that? I saw a poster for the first time, which... Cool. And we've seen some behind the scenes, but I don't know if they have a date. Is it late this, this year? I have not December? heard, I don't know, but, but we are there. 100%. We, that yeah. is, yes, Without question. we are going on opening night. All right, number two, the subject is zoology, or zoology? I never know how to say that. Name the species to which Busterford Jones belongs. Lenny. Feline, he's a cat. Indeed. Do you happen to know the tribe? Ooh. Um, Starts with a J. Oh, a jellicle cat. Jellicle. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good, very good. <laughs> Number three, the subject is math. Tell me the simple addition equation in which Daisy, Violet, and Buddy find themselves. Ooh, that was such a close time. I'm going to go with Forrest. <laughs> one plus one equals three. Right? Very yeah. good. From Sideshow. Not a lot of people know about that show, yeah, but I don't. It's, it's great, so sweet. It? Oh, my God. Number four, history. Identify the historical field of study that includes he's a bum and he's not into you. Hint. It's sung by the amazing Annalee Ashford. Oh, I stumped him. Yes. Forest. It's the history of wrong guys, That's right? Yeah. Yes. Lenny doesn't know Kinky Boots, so he's oh, in no. the there, yeah, so. oh, no. Kinky Boots is totally a blind spot. That always got me too. Oh but, no, yeah. we'll have to have a little listening party. Number five, geology. Identify the erupting volcano threatening to destroy Bikini Bottom. Uh, oh my uh, god, wait a second, really? Wait a second. Uh, Lenny loves SpongeBob. He I does. do. I, do. <laughs> I know. Um, I'll give you the first oh, word. It's too easy though. Mount. Uh, Something large. It's a it's a synonym for really large. It starts with an H. You should know that. Hum- Humongo. That's Mount Humongous. Mount Humongous. Oh, <laughs> nobody gets we points for that, get one. for that one. Yes. That was bad. I need Lenny. a sad trombone sound effect. Lenny has been advocating for SpongeBob. I know. I should know that. I'm disappointed in myself. We should mention that we have all been on a play reading committee together for a wonderful, wonderful little community theater here in town in Franklin called Pull Tight Players Theater. And Mr. West has been the amazing organizer and... Forrest, that's kind of how you and I became friends, really, was we were paired up Mm -hmm. um, to review all the plays for the Play Reading Committee. Mm -hmm. And SpongeBob was on there. Didn't make the cut, sadly. Well, much to Lenny's chagrin. Next year, next year. (laughs) All right, number six, grammar and history. Repeat the interjection often exclaimed by Joe March. 
Yes, Lenny. Christopher Columbus. That's it from Little Women. Oh, Very Little good. Women. I don't Very know that good. joke. Oh, I should know that. Mm-hmm. I know it, but I don't like know it. Know it. Oh, You're gonna have harsh. to add it to your list. Yeah. I know, but I should know that anyways. I should, should know that one. It's okay. I've seen so many YouTube compilations of people saying Christopher Columbus. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so number seven, Latin-ish. Bambinatum est matitum is the school motto at Miss Trenchpole's Academy. Please translate. Bambinatum. Matilda here has the show. Um, So Bambinatum is easy because Bambino is a child, right? If you say that. Bambinatum est. Children are. Children are terrible. Matitum. Monsters. Maggots. Maggots. Children are maggots. Very good. (laughs) You didn't even help me though. You got that point. Good job. Number eight, geography. Name the state in which you find the town named for Albert Gary of judiciary fame. Lenny, this is your favorite musical of all time. Mm, sure is. <laughs> Indiana. Yes, I'm Gary teasing Lenny. Indiana. He hates music, man. Not my fave. <laughs> it's an American classic, Lenny. What can I say? Gary, Indiana. And I'm going to be singing it all night long now. Yep. Probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Yep. Hey, I was, I was a young Winthrop at that church. Oh, my gosh. Hey, there we go. There we go. Let Let me hear that lift. <laughs> no, no, maybe another time. Okay. <laughs> Now I've jinxed you. You're going to accidentally list, gonna list for later. The yep. There you go. <laughs> Number nine, last one. The subject is English. What is the final anagram Seth comes up with for Kimberly Lavaco? Forrest? Cleverly Akimpo. Yes, right? very good. That's exactly right. You were shaking your head. You no, I, I've listened to that you recording know. once. Um, loved it, but I haven't had time to do like a deep dive and like get it's all the songs great. in my head. But oh, yeah, I love it's, it so much. it's a special score. So good. It is. Good job, guys. I don't know who won all the imaginary internet yeah, points, but got them today. I wasn't keeping track. Yeah, but congrats to you both <laughs> on your enormous <laughs> intellect. All right, going on. Bit by bit, putting it together. And now it's time to focus on one particular show to go in depth with and discuss slash lovingly debate. Emphasis on the loving part. We'll see. You know, I want us all to still be friends after this is over. But we are, after all, called Settling Scores. I mean, that's the name we picked. So it does imply that there will be a touch of rancor, a smidgen of acrimony, if you will, because that's what makes it fun and interesting, right? Absolutely. Today we're going behind the scenes with the musical 1776, music and lyrics by Sherman Edwards, and a book by Peter Stone. Lenny's going to start us off with a synopsis, and then we'll move into some background info from Forrest. So take it away, Lenny. So it's the summer of 1776, and the nation is ready to declare independence, if only those founding fathers can agree to do it. 1776 follows the obnoxious and disliked John Adams of Massachusetts, Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania and the $100 bill, and Thomas Jefferson of Virginia as they attempt to convince members of the Second Continental Congress to vote for the independence from the British monarchy by signing the Declaration of Independence. The musical is uh, somewhat fictionalized, but obviously rooted in historical fact, telling the story of the events that took place in the months preceding July 4th, 1776, with the shifting alliances within the Congress, um, tensions from within and from without, and stakes that could not be higher. 1776 puts a human face on the monumental historical event as we see the men behind the icons being proud, frightened, uncertain, irritable, charming, often petty, and ultimately noble figures determined to do the right thing for a fledgling nation. Spoiler alert, in the end, they do end up signing the document. Mm. (laughs) Well, I bated breath over here. I wasn't sure it was going to happen. I know. Oh, I have more to say about that later. But <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add? 
Um, as far as just uh, the synopsis, the synopsis—it's, I mean, it's a lot. It's a, it's grand. It's epic. There are umpteen characters, and they all have their moments. Um, so it's really hard to get into a detailed synopsis, but. Mm-hmm. Just the the fact of doing this epic, monumental, Herculean task um, that John Adams is trying to do, convincing every everybody against him to come to his side to get this thing done. Um, that's that's the gist of it, and you know yeah. all the little interplay in between. But that's the the basic. Yeah, that's a good overview. Yeah. Overview. Mr. Forrest, how about a background? Well, the musical started with a man named Sherman Edwards, who was the composer. The songwriter, and he did. He wrote the original book and had the original concept for it. Um, he was a pop songwriter. Um, he wrote songs for Elvis. Um, did you all cool. see the movie Elvis that did. came out with Austin Butler? I did they not. said this is according to Wikipedia. I don't know, no verification on this, but <laughs> they said the Colonel was one of the reasons that he stopped writing the Tom Hanks character because oh. he would charge, you know, uh, he wouldn't give them any profits for their songs, you know, oh, that he was writing. So Sherman Edwards, a hero of mine, because he's sitting there writing pop music, listening to pop music, but he has an idea for this musical about the founding fathers. And he says, you know what? I'm done with the pop music. I'm going to pursue my idea for 1776. Mm. So he shopped it around a lot, but uh, no producers wanted to take it. Then a man named Stuart Ostro. Um, he also produced Pippin, which mm. Lenny loves. I have to interject. I took a mm-hmm. master class with Stuart Ostro when I was at the no University way. of Houston. Yes, yes. So we bonded actually. over both being clarinet players, and his wife, Anne, was lovely. Fantastic. Loved them both. I did not know you were going to talk about him today, wow. so I'm sorry for budding no, you. No, that's amazing. No, say that. please. That's lovely amazing. Lovely man. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I feel like I'm next to royalty now. But okay, so Stuart <laughs> Ostro, he, the producer picked it up, um, and he kind of marked, so Sherman Edwards, he had substituted as a history teacher for his son's class. So Stuart had this idea, he's like, okay, history teacher writes, you know, musical about the founding fathers. Was he really a history teacher? Uh, like, not officially, but he did. I think his degree was in history, American history, though. So he had a degree in that and a background in that. But um, so Stuart Ostro, he was also the one who brought on Peter Stone to write the book because um, Sherman Edwards had written his own book, but they said, we well, need a little little touch-up from Peter Stone. He's also judging. Yeah. yeah, who's also famous for musicals like Titanic, uh, Two by Two. Um, he wrote, rewrote Annie Get Your Gun mm-hmm. book oh. too in 1999. But, um, so when they were able to put that together, it became a more cohesive show. Um, and they started auditioning talent for it. They wanted William Daniels to play John Adams, who probably most people know from that 1990s, 2000 show of Mr. Pini. Yeah, Boy yeah. Meets World. Yeah. Um, so, uh, probably most people know him there, but he was on Broadway before he was on, on a clear day. You can see forever. I remember him singing one of those songs and he does have a very, uh, distinct voice. I was going to say, it's not a beautiful uh, instrument, but it's distinctive. Like, you can't mistake him. obnoxious and disliked moniker comes through, doesn't it, through his voice. Typecasting, yeah. Yes, for sure. And then other notable members, probably Howard DeSilva, quite Mm -hmm. famous then, still Mm -hmm. pretty well known. And then Betty Buckley in her first Broadway show. They said, they described her fresh off the bus, exactly how they described (laughs) her. I think she was 21-year-old from Texas. Betty Buckley. Betty Buckley, so... Um, and then, so they had that, uh, it was a sleeper hit, a surprise hit, not many people expected to be hit, ran for about three years. Was that 1969 or 69? Yeah, 69. Ran for about three years. Um, and then there were a couple revivals. Let's see, there was one in 1997 that did fairly well. Um, and then there was an encore cast that was to die for. I don't know if you saw this one, but it's like... Santiano Fontana, um, Bryce Pinkham, Alexander Giamangi. It was like so many people. Um, 
And uh, let's see, so then the most recent revival came to Broadway this past year, which was a little bit controversial because they did use all females. Yeah. Um, um, all people identify as females on stage and many people of color, which was a cool kind of shade to add in there. The revival wasn't met with the best reviews, though. Um, we can talk about that a little later, too. But I think the material uh, still holds up today. We did also watch the movie to prepare for this yep. as well. We did. Yeah, we all got together and, and yeah. I had never seen the movie. And oh, I really? think... Mm-mm. It was oh. my first year. I actually hadn't either. But the movie, I think, is very good because it does adhere very closely to what was on the Broadway stage, which a lot of... Uh, when musicals make that movie transition, they cut some Sometimes stuff. Sometimes it's ugly, yeah. This is a good <laughs> <They really> representation. <laughs> slash and burn, yeah. yeah. But it was, it's pretty it faithful. It was a good representation, I think, yeah. yes. And so um, that's... That's my history of the show. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. We've got some clips here. Um, I don't know if you want to roll through a couple of these now or a couple of these later. What, what are your thoughts, oh, guys? I'll play the overture right now. Just listen to what Sherman Edwards is writing. I mean, just think about this. Listen to the orchestration. It just sounds, it is just a very colonial feel. Get you right in the feel of the show. Let's Start do it. Off. Okay. So that was the original Broadway cast recording of 1776, The Overture. Thoughts? I love it. I love how it like builds the tension up, you know, the percussion. I was watching the timer. It was fully 50 seconds Mm -hmm. of just the percussion and it builds so nicely. I love it. It puts you exactly where you, you need to be. It tells you orally exactly everything you need to know without ever having sung a word, spoken a line. You know exactly where you are, what you're about. I love it. So now it is time. You've made it this far into the show with us. Thank you. Thank you for hanging in there. You are about to be rewarded with the good stuff, the fun stuff, the stuff we originally started the whole podcast for. And hopefully, Forrest and Lenny, you will still be friends afterward. We'll We're see. calling this <laughs> We're calling this part curtain call. And by the way, we reserve the right to change any and all of these segment names if the mood strikes us in the future. Okay. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> anyway, I will give the guys the topic question. And of course, this is all in reference to the feature show of the episode, 1776. And then they will answer and hopefully disagree a bit or agree in an interesting way, whatever the case may be. You ready, guys? Let's do it. Ready. Rank this musical from one to 10, worst to best for you personally. And tell us why you chose that ranking. You want to go first, Lenny? 
I'll go first. Let me clarify. Is one the best or is ten the best? I think ten is the best. Ten is the best. Ten is the yeah. best. Okay. I'm not sure that it really uh, affects my answer either way. I would put it solidly five. <laughs> All right. So it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it, give or take a point or two on any given day. Um, I think it is, in the, in the canon of musical theater, it is decidedly second tier. But... That's not to say that it is not without its incredible moments because they're it's chock full of them. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of filler I think in there. There's a lot of stuff that could be cut or trimmed or you know worked around. Um, th- this is as far as why I'm making it you know kind of middle of the pack. Um, and there's a lot of characters and things to keep track of. Its, it's focus is extremely broad. Um, which is good. It's a broad topic, the founding of the United States of America. But for a show, um, musical, where you have less um, less time in the book to talk about, you know, the, the in the script to develop character and develop situations, it would, if it were pulled in, the focus was pulled in, I think it would be a lot tighter and cleaner and probably better. The score, I think, is pretty, pretty solid. I would rank the score higher, maybe like a six and a half. Yeah. With one or two minor exceptions. Um, I think that uh, for the time this was written, what, 69, it's kind of got one foot in the past and one foot in the present as far as far as 1969 goes, with um, still kind of being a classic musical, keeping the form and the shape of you know all the classics that came before it, but kind of bending and shaping the, mm. uh, the form going forward. Like, for example, there are certain things in there that, um, like Sunday in the Park, with George couldn't exist without certain things from 1776 or certainly Hamilton. And that's a whole other discussion point later, but like um, it kind of straddles both worlds um, as far as classic versus contemporary past, present. But the thing is the show still plays and it plays well, I think Uh, many people don't agree with that or based on the um, most recent revival, the tour that came through Nashville, there were different uh, opinions on that, but I think it plays, it just flat out plays. Okay. Five with a, a little bit more pointage for the score. What about you, Mr. Forrest? Five. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised with that. I would definitely get at least an eight. <laughs> oh, really? Think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a great, great show. I think uh, the magic of the show, what we were talking about earlier, is uh, that there is tension. Will they or will they not sign? Yes. And we already know the answer, but the magic of the book is that they're able to recreate that tension. Correct. I will agree with you. There are a couple uh, moments like... I don't even know if he plays the violin is totally necessary, that little excursion out there. I think I'd prefer if it was like a 12 Angry Men scenario where it's all of them locked in that room for the whole time. But I just think, and I agree, the score is one of my favorite parts of it as well. The score definitely elevates it, which is interesting because most of the reviews I've read, most of the stuff I've read on it, talks about what a great... Uh, core play it is yes and that the score a lot of people you know disregard the score or even degrade the score as you know kind of frivolous to the whole experience but i think the score is great i think it's it's, it's almost my top 20 i think really um we've talked about this before but there's rarely a score where i go through and i don't want to skip any songs yeah mm. 1776 is one where i go through and i'm not skipping many songs so this musical is probably an eight out of ten for me at least i can't say the same there are definitely which songs one are you skipping skip over um the egg. That's still that's a fun it's little fine. song. Um, I generally would skip over um, Mr. Adams, but Mr. Adams. You would skip that song. It's, that's some great musical comedy lyrics. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, song. but it's not a sit down, John, or a he plays the violin, which you're correct is not necessary to the play to the plot, but it's just a great number. Um, 
I don't, I don't know a participle from, from a predicate. I'm just a simple cobbler from Connecticut. Well, that's, that's a pretty great rhyme. It is. And, but that's the thing. That's why, for me, maybe it's only a five. Because uh, the book is stellar. You could take out every song in that really score. Could, yeah. And you've got a crazy good play. Well, isn't there like a scene where there's 30 minutes with no music yes. at one point? Yeah. So and it still is enthralling. Yeah, I yeah. think it's the longest it book scene longest. ever in a musical. They said the minutes. orchestra was allowed to get up and take a break. Oh, oh my that's God, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> When has that ever been done to make a smoke break? break. Yeah, and they said totally they said funny. they tried working in different songs into that space, but they never could find anything that fits. They said, "Fine, no music for a while, okay, which is fine. I mean, it works. I don't know. And you don't need it. That's a scene yeah. where there's like a lot of just information, yeah. historical information coming at you, coming at you, and to have a song break in there would ruin the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like the the book is amazing. The score is great." With a couple of few exceptions, but you don't need the score to be in the show. Maybe that's why the, it brings it down Maybe. for me. <laughs> and because there are those songs like He Plays the Violin that comes to mind. Skippable. You, not mm. skippable from a recording standpoint, mm. but you just flat out don't need from it. You cut that whole character. Yes. Gotcha. You don't miss a thing, really. Sure. Yeah. Really. What's your favorite moment in the show? Well, we might have the same one. I This isn't in the original recording we talked about, but there when uh, Abigail Adams sings Compliments, mm-hmm. and for some reason wasn't recorded on the original recording, but in the, you can listen to it on the 1997 one. It's just an amazing, it's a callback to um, the earlier song, Yours, 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 where he says, I need saltpeter. And she finally sends the saltpeter. And it's just one of the lowest moments because they've just heard molasses to rum. They just heard how terrible, how this is never going to work. And everyone's again signing the Declaration of Independence, and there's just a moment of hope that shines through in Abigail Adams delivering that saltpeter that she promised. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing moment, very powerful moment, I think. And I don't know if it... I, I would agree with you. That's one of my top favorites as well. I don't know if... You know, there, there are certain things that hit your ear in a certain way, and I don't know if it's just where it is scored for the female voice that just hits my ear in that perfect way. Mm-hmm. But in addition to the emotional pull of the moment and all that, just the, the music musicality of it just... It just my mind. stellar. I've ca- I've played that song on repeat many times. Let's yeah. let's 100%. stop for a second and we'll we'll play a clip of compliments. Sure. Great, got to hear it. This though. is from the 1997 uh, revival recording with I believe it's Linda Emond as the actress. She's incredible. Compliments of the Concord Ladies Coffee Club and the sisterhood of the Trowbridge in a God and the Friday evening Baptist sewing compliments and did you want to address your favorite moment in the show or is that it too is um, it also compliments that is one of the i mean i guess like emotionally and musically and just the whole thing together that is probably my favorite moment in the show but if we're talking just musically man that whole opening sequence it's like three or four songs kind of jammed together with little book scenes here and there um it's sit down john and piddle twiddle and resolve and our first introduction to abigail adams and i yours 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 yours? okay Mm -hmm. um but within that segment it's when the the men all come together the very first time sit down john uh just blows your hair back if i had any 
Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> we also get in that segment the the introduction of Abigail Adams. Um, John, John, is that you carrying on? Her, her that female voice cutting through all the male noise mm-hmm. um, is again just an incredibly cool musical moment. And then they have their tender yours, yours, yours. And then very quietly at the end, the guys come back, for God's sake, John, sit down. And just the the trajectory of that whole sequence is fantastic. Beautiful. That would be my favorite, Mm -hmm. I think. I love that. Okay, next question is favorite and least favorite song. And I'm happy to play clips here, guys. Just let me know what you want to hear for us. You want to address that? Sure. Um, I would say my favorite song, that's hard. The opening number is is great. Uh, Sit down, John. Um... But Mr. Adams, I love that song. I love the comedy lyrics in it. I love yours, yours, yours. Mm-hmm. It's just a beautiful love duet. Um, but Mama Looks Sharp is probably my favorite. Just the I love uh, William Finn does this a lot in his musicals. He'll give you a he'll give you the show and then he'll switch perspectives all of a sudden. So you've got this show about the men and then you switch perspective like oh there's a war going on like people are dying and yeah. like people are suffering you know and so that song right there just changes the whole perspective of the show and it makes it. Just gives it a lot of weight in the second yeah, half of the show. So. A lot more gravity there, exactly. And let's stop for a second. We'll we'll play a clip sure, from that. That's yeah. a very moving number. Mama, hey mama, come looking for me. I'm here in the meadow. That was Mama Look Sharp. I'm going to piggyback on that. I'm going to agree with him. I don't know if it's my favorite. It's maybe tied for... Yeah, it's so hard with this one because so many songs are so good. I wouldn't say there's one great song, like one that stands out above all. Right. uh, You may disagree, but they're they're all very good. They all fit very well. Um, Furthering what you said, um, it takes the brings the war into the room mm-hmm. but it also from a just a i guess a staging standpoint or a construction standpoint it also um brings in stillness mm-hmm. which i find a lot of um productions have a problem with the plays musicals in general have a problem with stillness um i mean you've got what 25 men on stage yelling at each other the whole time and then you got this three minutes, three and a half minutes where this kid is sitting on a stool singing mm-hmm. a song yeah. in a spotlight with no trappings and no theatrics and no what and it's still and it's quiet and it breaks your heart. Yeah. So I would um pro- maybe say that is my favorite. You're trying to say something well, before, sorry. Just, I, I wanted to think about the revival for a second yes. this came on because you're talking about the stillness yes. and that revival that moment there was a little bit overstaged to me mm. you know a little overproduced you know over theatricized like it just needs to be them singing the song and they, yep. they I think they had lots of people out there at that point and it was just made it a little overblown for me when it's supposed to be a quiet still moment you're right so I just want to point out that that's too bad I didn't get to see that. it unfortunately it, so. there was it was divisive it was very <laughs> divisive there was a lot that uh, could be appreciated about yeah. it certainly and, and actually, this, um, as much as I just said, how the, the stillness of it all and, and everything, and you're, t- you're saying that the revival was completely the opposite of that. 
the the uh, young lady that I saw. I, I'm sorry, I don't have that program. And I don't know her name. If you have Wikipedia, she, no, I don't have it. But she was excellent. I she mean, was I liked excellent. Her singing. Um, incredible voice, presence for days, um, just nailing this song against the back wall. But it was a complete change from the original. It was belted and huge moment, um, which. I guess is also valid bringing in like the anger of the moment sure. uh, from these couriers and soldiers. Um, valid choice, but the stillness to me is way more effective yeah. than a overproduced, in my opinion, moment. Um, the other one that I have to say would potentially be my favorite is Molasses to Rum. Mm. Oh, There's that's a lot fine. to be said about that. That one. is, oh my Especially gosh. Especially who sings in the apart. original cast? Um, uh, What's his name? John Cullum. John Cullum was and, in the film. Oh, in the film. Oh, who's in the original? Yeah, film? he. Um, Rex Everhart. Rex Everhart. Rex Everhart. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, it was also um, Greg Edelman in the revival. Yes, he was awesome. In the '97. Well. Yeah, uh, it's just a song that comes out of left field. Mm-hmm. It's stylistically different oh, than anything we've heard before. Yeah. With uh, and, and needs to be. He's putting in this whole other argument mm-hmm. and making the. Um, the slavery argument, uh, the, 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 the whole thing about taking out the keeping or taking out the slavery clause in the Declaration of Independence, huge discussion on that, very, uh, very validly so. Um, divisive then, divisive now, a big, big um, <laughs> topic of conversation that maybe we don't have the wherewithal to get into. But well, in the context of the show, um, he Rutledge, his character, he's putting this in, and he is just giving everybody what for with this song about yeah. how you know every everybody's complicit. Yeah, the North is not not completely innocent. Exactly. And harmonically and melodically, that song really stands out. There's so many shifts, major mm-hmm. to minor. You get that push and that pull between the North and the South yes. in the score, in the way that it's written. That's yeah. really so true. It's, it. a, it's a show-stopping number. Like, it yes. stops the show and makes you think, you know, in a different way. It's not the way you think of a show-stopping mm-hmm. number, like a big dance number, but it's a show, you're gonna, the show is going to stop for a minute that and just ponder that question. Operatic okay. aria right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. That's one of the things I appreciate about the show as well. It, the argument arguments still it's still an argument should they have compromised with slavery to make this country to make a portion mm-hmm. of people free but not all people free because again, it's still like you can still sit there and say i don't know should they have done that what should they have made different choices they made the choices they made though you know so and i think that's what's so great about the show the book of the show i guess specifically mm-hmm. is that it makes these guys human it takes them down off their oh, founding exactly. father's pedestal yeah. and they're just people yes trying to do their best that they can in like in a moment yeah yeah missing their wives yes and, you know all sorts yeah. of being really hot and sweaty and then, <laughs> right. it's very humanizing it's true how about least favorite songs what do you think um Sorry, I'm going to jump into this one for us. Sorry. Sure, uh, the Egg. Um, from a purely listening to the recording standpoint, The Egg. It's fine. It's got some humor in it. Okay. But this is one thing that I think the revival, uh, the most recent revival, did exceedingly well. And I'm not sure that we agree on this. Um, but it took a song that is, for me, a very throwaway song. And they um, they staged it. And the, the the actors are singing it. And behind them, uh, what, they're, what they're singing about in this song is... Um, you know, foreseeing what the country can be if they succeed in making this uh, declaration go, what what the country can be. And behind the actresses singing the song, you get projections of all of the major social and historical events kind of from, you know, the, <laughs> the invention of photography up until present day um, and really hits home, I mean, kind of with a sledgehammer, but it hits home what... Um, 
what this American experiment has be, has been over the past 250-ish years. Uh, and I think that that revival took a throwaway song and made it into a great uh, theatrical visual moment. What a statement. That sounds amazing. Man, I really wish cool. I had caught that performance. That sounds amazing. No, it was not. It was, it was not. Descent. Yeah. <laughs> I I wish they made a recording of that revival. Is the first thing I want to say because some of the orchestrations I love, some of the vocal arrangements were very unique. Some of them were bad. Um, so that <laughs> is what it is. But I really would want to listen to it again to kind of pick it up. Yes. The, they eviscerated the score and during the egg, they had electric guitar, guitars going. It was just Whoa. it was a strange experience for me. To me, the <laughs> image of women, people of color, women of color on that stage, that's the statement that they created this country where women can do that. Yes. And then the the projections are just it's just over the top and just it takes you out of the moment. You're just like, what am I at a rock concert or am I Well too much for Forest. Music a little over the top. Much, but, I'll, um, I'm with him. The the orchestration was a little it was like, a little what? too much. I'd like to listen I'd like to listen to it again. Um, I, would too, I wish there was a actually. recording. So I would definitely be listening to that and exploring it more. Um, and I didn't I didn't hate the revival I thought I would you know, I came in a little skeptical because I'd read the reviews, but I, I think the material still stood up. We can talk about that a little later. Let's talk about our least favorite song still. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's so, fine. Um, yeah, mine's the egg. What do you got? That's the egg, I, I'm maybe cool, cool, considerate men, which I still mm. love, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, which one of these could I do without? Probably cool, cool, considerate men. And we didn't mention the Leesville, Virginia in our favorite song. It's not my favorite song, but it's got to be, it's got to be mentioned. Okay. Maybe our favorite character or something, but yeah. probably cool, cool, considerate men, which I still love and which Richard Nixon tried to get cut from the film. And I think succeeded oh gosh, at one what? point getting it cut from the oh, film. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I think uh, because, you know, he didn't, he didn't, I guess he thought it was attacking conservatives or I something. I have never which, heard yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's crazy. crazy. This is the thing. I, wait, only what makes the show so great too yeah, is yeah. because I think conservatives look at the show. If you're politically conservative, you know you look at the show and you're like, oh, patriotic, you know. And but if you're, you know, also if you're a liberal politically persuasion, you know, you look at it and you, go, oh, this is like challenging, you know, our thoughts Something about for the founding everyone. fathers. Yeah. You know? Um. So I think that's another way the show works. You can take it at face value, or you can, you know, look deeper too. But totally agree with that. I feel that. That's great. So, yeah. So, uh, favorite, least favorite moment in the show. What do you think, Lenny? I don't know that I have a least favorite moment per se. Um, the egg notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of my least favorite writing moments is the <laughs> congressional custodian, Andrew McNair. He's the one that's going and getting everybody rum, refilling the glasses. He says, good God, about 75 times. <laughs> I wish they would give him a different line and different expletive something. That was just too much for me. Um, from a great comic character. Mm -hmm. It was just poor writing. That's yeah. all I got. So yeah. we said our favorite moments earlier. Uh, least favorite, um, you know, they took the Founding Fathers, brought them down to earth a little bit. Ben Franklin's a little pervy, <laughs> a, little, a little creepy. He, he makes several deep. creepy jokes. Um, so probably I would... Cut, he plays the violin dramatically, like so we love that yeah. song, but dramatically it doesn't make much sense there. And just Ben Franklin, all his little moments. He has some hilarious jokes. He has my yep. some of my favorite lines in that show, but also some are a little creepy and you're just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is what we're doing. But I will say though, I mean we we've kind of knocked on he plays the violin a lot, but you take it out of context, man. I listen to yeah. that the, on the original recording with Betty with Buckley Betty belting Buckley. for her life. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a key change right before her last um, oh, yeah. verse. When heaven calls to me, right before that, it's just ugh, the best she, ever. I, let's we can take a minute to appreciate Buddy Buckley. Literally Please. changing how people sing in the theater. Probably 100%. one of three or four actresses that literally have changed 
the sound of musical theater. Yeah. Okay, this broadest is, sound that I've ever seen. This is so. a good time to play a clip. Sure. You guys let's hear Buddy. Buckley yes, in there. Let's do her. Love her. Mm-hmm. And the next discussion question we have is favorite character. And if you feel like it, throw in your favorite actor to have portrayed the role. You want to go, Forrest? Of course. I think I, an honorable mention goes to Richard Henry Lee. <laughs> um, a, just a great, he comes in, sings a great song, yep. mostly gone for the rest of the show. <laughs> Played by Ron Holgate in the original, yep. just full on takes that song on. It's great. Probably still my favorite character, though, is John Adams. I just love... You don't get a main character in a show. Normally, you try and make your character likable, right? Which he is (laughs) in his his own way he is. But it just, you know, just jumps right in the beginning. Like, you're obnoxious and disliked, you know? But still, he manages, you know, to win her. Because he just has that passion, you know? And we, I think, we relate to that. And we appreciate it, so... 100%, I agree with you. It's got to be Adams. But getting the obvious out out in front um i love um <laughs> uh martha jefferson also uh mm-hmm. in addition to henry uh, richard henry lee you, you come on you sing your one song and you get a two-hour smoke break for the rest of the night <laughs> the best gig on broadway um i love also um dr lyman hall of georgia he comes in kind of midway through act yes. one he comes in as a new member of Congress and just sort of is quiet and observant and then makes his move sure. later in Act 2. It's a great, quiet character arc that is not one of the uh, the ones that stand out front. Wait, but I have to mention, since you said that, yeah. in the most recent revival, Dr. Lyman Hall is doubling as Martha Jefferson. Exactly. So there yeah. you go. So there's yeah, that it's very cool it, how they did that. Yeah. I like it. Um, and the uh, I don't have a... Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more. Um, John Dickinson. Mm. Is also one of my favorites. He's uh, he has an amazing arc as well. He mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that sings "Cool, Cool, Considerate Men." He is kind of the staunchest opposer of independence throughout the entire show. And then at the very end, mm. um, maybe this could be also considered one of my favorite moments in the show. He he says, "I'm not going to sign this declaration. I disagree with it wholeheartedly." But I'm going to resign from Congress and go join the army I mean, and fight. There's so much dignity for yes. all these characters here, I think. I, I love that. Them, yeah, the writing is brilliant and in that regard. In the revival that just came on Broadway, Joanna Glushak was on the the blonde yes. lady, was yeah. in the touring company. She was so good she in that was role. Fantastic. She was, had the best stage presence on stage, yep. i got to say. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Loved her. Yeah. Uh, and to answer your question about the favorite person who's played the role, I don't have that, but I have... The my favorite person who's never played and unfortunately never will be able to play a role in this show, um, the late great Marin Maisie, R.I.P., mm-hmm. should have played Abigail Adams at some point in her mm-hmm. life. Her voice would have sat absolutely perfectly within that score. It would have been one for the ages. But um, yeah, when the '97 revival was happening, she was a little busy doing a little show called Ragtime or something. So, <laughs> so I think about her saying compliments. That would have been yes, amazing, come but, on. Yeah. 
The next thing we have to address, we've kind of already touched on. How do you feel about the movie version of 1776? I mean, we all, I think we kind of all agreed that they had done a pretty faithful job translating it to screen. Anything else you want to add about it? Yes. Um, their uh, success was also, I think, their failure with the film. Uh, it was a very faithful document of the show, but because it was such a faithful document of the show, it was, to me, in many places, very flat and very static and very like watching a staged, staged. production. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They took a few liberties with taking things outside and, you know, exterior shots and all that, but it didn't have an immediacy to it that I liked. Um, also the hairstyles were awful. <laughs> Wigs were terrible. Um, but the one, I think maybe the best thing about the musical, two best things, it preserved William Daniels performance of John Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe more importantly, preserved Virginia Vestoff's performance of Abigail Adams. And you're thinking, who is Virginia Vestoff? We don't know her because her body of work is very small because she passed away very young. Um, and uh, her, the, the, the image of her running through this field in this pink dress singing compliments at the end of the film is just kind of gets me goosebumpy right now thinking about it. Her mm. voice is just crystalline. I mm. love, love, love her voice. Wish we had more of her, but am thrilled for the film for that reason. Yeah, she was only, I think, 42 when she died. Very young. Um, Too soon. But what do you think about, so they replaced Betty Buckley with Blythe Danner, one of the few cast replacements they did, um, which was interesting. The voice is definitely not as strong. (laughs) But she's a good actress. Yes. fine. She's a fine actor. But Stephanie's shaking her head. You didn't like I'm sorry. I did not care for her vocal choices at all. Or vocal quality. She's she's obviously not a singer. More of an actress. But I I thought you were going to say Howard De Silva, we don't have any other, you know, recording of his performance beside the True. Movie. So I True. I found it very interesting to hear him on the movie because it's nothing like the person on the Broadway cast recording. Mm-hmm. He ah. just has a very distinct voice. He didn't do the cast recording. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's nothing like it's it. So different. Oh, right, it's just right, different yeah. because he has a very has a much drier tone, I think. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um so we love that's him what I'm saying. Too. It's good. Yeah, we, get, we like it. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. good to have that movie to have his performance yes. recorded, I think. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you think or feel about the movie version? Um, it's a fateful adaptation. Whether that's a good or bad thing yeah. is up to interpretation. Right. But What would you guys change about the show? What do you think you would do differently? If I was allowed to make changes, I love that song he plays violin, but I might cut that. And I might just put them all in the same room for the whole show and feel the claustrophobia. The 12 Angry Men um, reference. Yeah, that yeah. vibe. Uh, the things that Peter Stone did when he came in that really changed things that were more historically accurate, but he added the calendar to show the days. Which and he is added, fantastic. Oh, except when it's not done well. I went to a oh, regional theater production yes, oh, of it in San Diego, regional, <laughs> oh, like, no. you know, uh-huh. a thousand people. And what? And they got off by one date. They accidentally, no. I think one fell down early. <laughs> no. And the person doing it never <laughs> noticed. No. And we were all, the whole audience was dying because they were off by one the whole time. Oh, but no. otherwise, yeah, when it's done well, it's a great idea. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, interjection <laughs> over. So it was funny. really funny. It was that so unintentionally funny. Uh, but so they, he had the calendar, then he had the tally board to show the yes. notes, which was very important. For keeping track right? for the for, audience. For the There's audience. So much see. information. Yeah, that's um, great. And but it's interesting how like a prop or a set piece adds tension just by being there itself. I think that's great. Yeah. But it's hard to say. What, I think the show pretty much still stands well. Um, I would be okay doing a you know multi-gender, multi-race uh, mm-hmm. casting of it. I think that would work. I think some of the changes they made in the revival beyond that were unnecessary. So 
Um, okay. But I think it's a pretty strong, pretty strong book and score. What would you change, Lenny? What I would change, I think I touched on it briefly a little bit ago. Um, I would tighten it up. There are, like I said, 35 crazy number of people on stage. They don't all need their own story. I mm-hmm. need, uh, you know, give me the, the, the top five, your Adams and Jefferson and Rutledge and those guys. But the rest of the folks, just, you know, I don't need their backstory. Drop a line in here and there when it's necessary. Great. But I don't need to. Make it more compact. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Compact. Thank you. Like the what I am not doing right now with my speech. <laughs> yes. <It's> okay. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just tighten it down. Like like Hamilton, for example, and the comparisons are going to come up with that. They have five or six main characters, and they're telling again a founding father's story with a cast of thousands, and they're telling us the information we have to have mm-hmm. to get through the story. If 1776 did a little more of that. But then that's even a crazy argument to make because we have kind of established that the book is incredible and is one of probably the best of all time in the musical theater canon. So who am I to say? Well, speaking of Hamilton, that's actually the next thing I was going to ask you guys. How do you think 1776 compares to that other famous founding musical, Hamilton? Well, 1776 walked so that Hamilton could could run. run. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that watching 1776 back in 1969 is had the same kind of excitement and tension and the, on all the things as watching Hamilton now. Yeah. I would imagine. I, I agree. I was going to say they're pretty I feel like they're pretty unrelated beside their subject matter. I'm not gonna, <laughs> But um <laughs> you're right when you say that because um just reading about the production of the original Broadway cast, so many people thought this would never work on stage. Mm-hmm. Similar to when Lin-Manuel Miranda was writing a rap musical yep. about Alexander Hamilton, when people heard that, like, intrigued, you know, but, like, baffled almost. This guy, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they're kind of like that, the same subject matter, you know, the Founding Fathers, but uh, just two very different shows. Like, I wouldn't say... If you like 1776, you might like Hamilton. Or if you like Hamilton, maybe 1776 is the next show for you. Nope. Not necessarily. But um, two, I think, different views and two great views okay. of the Founding Fathers. I'm with you on that. What would make it difficult to produce 1776 on the community theater level? I'll say for our local theaters, we sometimes have difficulty getting male yeah. actors that want to sing, that Indeed. want to dance and Indeed. be on stage. So I'm not sure all community theaters have that issue, but for at least for what we know, is probably getting all those male actors yeah. that are talented enough and willing to go on stage. And right? just bodies as well, crushed yeah. into the smaller spaces sure. backstage, on stage. Mm-hmm. This is a large cast. A, what, how, much, how many are in the cast? Do you guys know offhand? Um, 25 or so, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing. It's a lot. It's uh, a huge amount. And just for context, our local theater, Pull Tight, it's a fairly small space, I'd say. Yep. So. The costumes would also be oh, problematic. Yeah. Too, point. That's to a do. lot Very of costumes. Huh? Because a lot of costumes, and they're all period, and you got to get every seamstress in the tri-state area to <laughs> make so that happen. True. Yeah. Um, but the good thing is, it's one location essentially, or can be done that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you so you, it's a trade-off. Easy set. No set, hard costumes. True, true. Final thoughts? Oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, but um, I did see a community theater production, and it was maybe less than stellar, but it worked. You know, I guess that's kind of my final thought as you were leading into. It works. It's It plays. It's You're, you're into the tension of it all, and you are... Yes, of course they sign it at the end, but you're you're kind of holding your breath, making sure that they do each time. Um, it just plays. Uh, I know we've had um, we have a, a friend who I know saw the touring production and did not care for it um, at all. But for me, it just that that excitement it just builds every time I watch it, every time I listen to it, because I I guess because it is so epic and historical in nature and the. Um, 
trials and tribulations and the persistence that these these folks had to go through to to do this Herculean thing that should have had no business getting done. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's um, it's inspiring. Thank it you. Is. That's the yeah. word. It is. Yeah. Final thoughts, Forrest. Um, just a great show that uh, if you haven't listened to it, you definitely should check it out. Start with the original Broadway cast, but watch the movie, listen to any recording, get your hands on. Um, and I would say it is inspiring. Yeah, to think about it always makes me think about these founding fathers. How were all these incredibly intelligent men all around at the same time, the same place mm-hmm. to put together a great experiment? Yes, with some flaws and failures, Huge. just like the show itself. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's still just a beautiful thing to watch on stage mm-hmm. and uh, a tribute to. America. I was listening to it um, today in prep for this, listening to the, some of the tracks, mm-hmm. and there's at one point John Adams says, I'm 41. Mm-hmm. And that just sort of hit me in a different way yeah. listening to it today. I'm slightly older than that. And I thought, wow, I cannot begin to imagine mm-hmm. myself in that type of a situation doing these crazy things. Uh, so, yeah, inspiring. Hats off to these guys. It's, it was an amazing thing that had happened. Mm-hmm. Indeed. On that note, it is uh, time we close out this segment and move on to our if-then recommendations, where Lady and Forrest give their ideas for follow-up listening. Can you wonder what if, what if? So, Forrest, what do you think? If you like 1776, you might also probably enjoy Into the Woods. But if you've seen 1776, hopefully you've seen Into the Woods. So maybe I'll do another one as well. But Into the Woods, in the same way that 1776 takes these characters that we know from history class Mm. and makes something totally livable, breathable, human about them, Into the Woods does with these fairy tales, you know, that we know so well. But it takes the characters and just puts them in a new light and a new way and even though you know the stories it just makes it new for you and i would say into the woods is very listenable like 7076 this was actually a lot harder than i thought it'd be usually if someone says oh what's a show i should listen to right off the bat i'm like oh this one is also similar i think 7076 has a very unique store score excuse me that's just very uh real very uh conversational almost mm-hmm. but also very epic and grand at times too so it was difficult to come up with one hmm. yeah me too i very hard to come up with one um I'm going to go with Assassins, actually, mm, that's a good for a similar reason to what he said, that it takes people that you think you know and yeah. it puts them into mm-hmm. different situations, historical people um, that are you kind of play with the facts slightly but get the basic story right. And also because um, they have two really similar moments uh, toward the end of their shows. At the end of 1776, while they're signing the Declaration of Independence, they create this tableau uh, that's, um, that's yeah. the same as that famous painting of yeah. the signing of the Declaration. And in Assassins, you, you're kind of in this limbo world throughout the whole show. And then right at the very end, we slam into November 22, 1963, the Kennedy assassination, and we're suddenly in the Texas School Book Depository. It becomes suddenly very real, uh, just like that painting, did, uh, the, the tableau imitating the painting does. Um, and it's also very, I had a hard time with this as well, because uh, if you ask me, Forrest, hey, I'm listening to this show by this composer, what else should I listen to? I would give you another show by that composer. But Why didn't Sherman Edwards do anything one. else? I wish Sherman Edwards has written more <laughs> musicals. Shame. Yeah. It is a shame. Is only he, he was very talented, I think. So. time for the Battle Royale portion of our show, where Forrest and Lenny take on a musical theater topic of their choosing to discuss and debate and delight us all with their wit and wisdom regarding all things Broadway. 
For our inaugural show, they've chosen a doozy of a topic, the greatest living musical theater composer, poser, poser. So who wants to go first? Do we need a round of rock, paper, scissors to determine? <laughs> I'll, I'll let Liddy go first. Oh, what a gentleman. Okay, you posed this question to me and my, my mind exploded a little bit. It's well, hard. I because you know Sondheim was arguably yeah, the greatest so in long, terms, in my opinion, for like forever. sixty years. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, Too soon, right? Yes. And he's well, left this gaping hole uh, yes. with. Can I say? Yes, can I say this? So this started because I had there was a Broadway person who said this week that Janine Tesori is the greatest living broad or greatest living theater composer, mm-hmm. and so that's how this discussion started. So. So I thought Janine Tesori. Hmm. We've got Millie. We've got Fun Home. We've got Kimberly Akimbo. We've got Shrek. Depending on what you think of that, um, and others that I'm forgetting. Violet. Carolina Change. Carolina Change. Yeah, How could I forget that? Yeah, that's um, And I said, yeah, that I could probably agree with that. But then kind of got discussing it a little further, and I thought, no. All you need to do is listen to the Light in the Piazza, mm-hmm. and Adam Gettle will be the right answer. And then. I had to pull back on that one because his output, as great as it is, is so minimal. He's got uh, Lightning Piazza, he's got Myths and Hymns, um, Floyd, Floyd Collins, Collins, and just closed the production of a new musical, Days of Wine and Roses. Oh, yes. Cool. I'm excited. That's terrible. I'm excited to hear that. Great. I can't yeah. wait to hear that recording. Sorry, good. But the, the output is pretty minimal. So mm-hmm. I did a little more thinking, a little more arguing with my buddy over here, Forrest, and I came up with Jason Robert Brown. Uh-huh. is the best. Um, currently living, greatest currently living. writing, yeah. greatest yeah. living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The output is is enough. We've got um, uh, Bridges of Madison County in and of itself. We've got Songs for a New World in and of mm, itself. Last five show. years. Love I that mean, show. Again, any yeah, of those yeah. three by Parade themselves. The Parade, come on. Yeah. It's great stuff. Um, what evidence do you have other than anecdotal? But probably my uh, most played cast recording of my life is... The original recording of Songs for a New World. Mm-hmm. I go back to it yep. at least weekly, I would mm-hmm. say. Over the past, what, 20 plus years that it's been out, it, it gets me uh, you know, in my heart and my head. Oh, no, I, just, I love uh, it. I have the music yes. upstairs. That's such a it's great, so well, good, great piece. Give me another drink and let's go sing. Uh, amen. But yeah, so those, the, the output is just incredible. Almost down the board. Maybe maybe there are one or two slight misses here and there, but... He's human. He's human, as are we all, as were the Founding Fathers in 1776. But nice way to tie it <laughs> in there, Lenny. It's You're a, a genius. It's Thank a you for seeing that's me. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah, Jason Robert Brown currently is my pick. Okay. With Adam Gettle nipping at his heels. But Janine Tatora's story is right up there with She's him. still yeah, there. She's still there. Yeah. She's definitely the greatest female composer of theater music of all time. Oh, that's sure. without and a that's, question. Yeah. yeah, it's unquestionable. That's a given. She wrote yeah. Ring of Keys. Yeah. Like, cements two, her in that. Two Tony Awards for Best Musical, yes. two for Best Score. Or maybe more for Best Score. Did she get one for Best Score? She had a nomination for a I play think, uh, for... Hmm. Um, uh, Twelfth Night at Lincoln Center in really? the late nineties. She's written yeah. a couple more besides the Broadway yeah, yeah. ones. They're a little more obscure. With uh, what's David Lindsay a bear? She's written some stuff. Love him. Yes. Um, Janine Tesori. I love her. I love her shows. I think Kimberly Kimbo is great. Fun Home is probably my favorite. Mm. Carolina Change. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've gone through them, but I don't know if I can say she's the greatest living theater composer. Also, Jason Robert Brown, though that kind of rubs me the wrong way too. I don't know how I feel about oh. that. We have to bring in some other people here. I will agree with you, though. Adam, <laughs> a smackdown over yes, here. Will. 
Lenny not happy. Let me let me make two points first. Adam Gettle, you're right. Probably the best theater composer alive right now. I wish you'd done more, mm-hmm. but you just listen to The Light in the Piazza for the beauty. Yes. Listen to Floyd Collins for the beauty mm-hmm. and the structure of those songs. Yep. It's uh, it's incredible. It's hard to describe. Um, but we had to think, keep in mind more Yeston still alive of Nine oh, and Titanic right. fame. The man sure. who wrote those yeah. scores and several and others. The other Phantom and Death Takes a Holiday yes, and a lot of, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have Stephen Flaherty um, and mm. Lynn Aarons, you know, our yeah, yeah, yeah. ragtime and Susical guys. I don't Lucky know if stiff. I'd put them in Lucky Stiff, you know, of hey, course, right? Love that show. Lucky Stiff shout out. We've been uh, listening, talking about Lucky Stiff a lot lately. Great show. If stiff. you don't know it, if you haven't listened to it, stop what you're doing right now. Well, no, I take it back. <laughs> Keep, Keep listening, listening to our podcast. This, then... Afterwards, head straight to YouTube. Anyway, go ahead. And then I, I have to say, my personal favorite composer is still living. His name William Finn. He did Falsettos, mm. he did oh. A New Brain, 25th mm-hmm. Annual Putnam County Spelling. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, he's just always been my favorite composer, uh, but I don't know if he's the best. And then we have to take into account as well. I mean, third point: Andrew Lloyd Webber is still alive. So depending <laughs> on what your metric is Oops. for best, like <laughs> if you're easy. most successful or earn the most money, we're in looking the theater, at the dollar signs. Yeah, you're looking at the dollar signs. <laughs> if you're looking at who's had the most musicals for the longest on Broadway, maybe we should look at Andrew Lloyd Webber. But well, I'm, I'm not going to say he's the best, in my opinion. I won't. Um, so he's the best either. I'm in firm agreement with you there. However, take the scores for Evita and Superstar. Yeah. Put them up against, and I'm, sure. I'm even going to say Sunset Boulevard, uh, yeah. unpopularly. Yeah. Take those, put them up against anything that's being written now, and they hold up. And okay, so one more person who's still alive, John Kander is still alive. Talk about oh, long yeah. range. Yeah. So, um, He's not my first for the best. Got a lot of contenders. Got a yeah. lot of possibilities. I I think I will. I'll go ahead and go for Adam Gettle, and okay. I'm assuming that Wine and Roses, the Days of Wine, yeah, is it they, Days, Days of Wine, Wine and Roses, yeah, yeah based on a play, based hopefully on amazing. Yeah. But just based on his hour, is just two probably in my top twenty or thirty shows. Though Jason Robert Brown, I love him too. I just yes. for some reason I'm I get a little put off by him. I think because <laughs> we're gonna fight. <laughs> no, I love it. I love his shows. Bridges in Madison County is mm. so good. Parade mm. so mm-hmm. good. Did you mention Thirteen? Because I love I did Thirteen. Not. It's all, I think it's almost in my top one hundred cast recordings. <laughs> but I love Thirteen too. Just a special place in my heart. Um, there's just something that sometimes rubs me the wrong way with his music too. I don't know Tell what me it more. is. Um, I want to try and unpack that. It's it's a little formulaic. I I go back to his love songs. I was you know thinking about his love songs and parade all the wasted time. That one from Songs for New World. I give it all for you. You yes, know same kind of yes. formula. Like guy sings or girl sings. Guy sings. Guy sings more. They sing together. You know kind of thing. Which is great. It's a great formula. It works every time. Right. It's beautiful. And let's take that back to Oklahoma. People yeah, will say I mean, we're yeah, in love. Carousel. It's like, right. the, the same the formula. Standard, it works. Yeah. But Life I don't know. It, it's not broken. And something about him. It's not his music. Something gives me like a teenager quality like this is who you like when you're a teenager and when you mature you know you need to move on to that's very the interesting adult you know i wonder if you harmonically need to move on to i wonder okay. if you're needing a little more complexity with the uh, harmonies and the lyrics and but you know, i don't want to say that too because adulting. jason r brown he it's wrote bridges of madison county and that is yeah. a very complex show and that's then true. um as well as parade is yes. probably it's just i can't say a bad word about the score parade the show, the stage show itself, we can mm-hmm. say, we can talk more about that. But the score is just beautiful. Yeah. So I can't argue. I'm not going to argue with you too heavily on that. 
Because I probably would lose because just the evidence is stacked against me. Even my own personal taste would probably <laughs> stack against me. But it's just hard for me to say, okay, Jason Robert Brown, best living. Especially to pass that from Stephen Sondheim, who I respect so much, you know, huge, and who huge I love so much. But uh, maybe he is. Maybe he is. I'll, I'll concede it. Maybe well, I'm not going to... I will forgive you for choosing Adam Gettle over... Yeah. But what I have the problem with is, well, he just rubs me the wrong way. He's yeah. me, like, what? <laughs> going to be able to back it up. Well, I've, been such, I've been such a fan for so long, you know, and I love songs from... I think that was the second one I listened to. After yeah. Next to Normal, that was the next thing I listened uh, to. Learned every single yep. song. Um, and... I'm song cycled out at this point. That's Maybe fair. that's why I have an unfavorable view now of it. Sure. It's still in my top 100 too, though. But he's keeping pace with Janine Tesori, or Janine yeah. Tesori rather is probably keeping pace with, with him. him. Sure. Um, though she wrote Violet, I think, before he had written anything. That so. was what, very late 90s, I think? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was probably just slightly before his first. His first was last five years, wasn't it? I, believe. I think Parade came No, out. Songs for New World was first. That's where I first, right? Songs for uh, New World. Have to look that up we'll Songs for New World is definitely first. We'll have to look up those um, before anything because yeah. that's when he just met Daisy Prince and uh -huh. they put together that. And then she, after that, I think, introduced him to Hal and they put on Parade together. I'm gonna have to verify that real quick. Well, while you're verifying, I will just say that anybody who can write a song that I can listen to, you know, a hundred times, and after mm -hmm. the hundredth listen, I'm still ugly crying Ugh, about yeah. the song, and I'm. Speaking specifically Which one are you talking of, about? Yeah, tell us. Um, what's the final song? It, Which one? Which the name. Um, Bridges of Madison County. Oh, uh, Second in a Million Miles? No, or, not no, that um, one. Always Better. No, not, not, not that one. one. The other one. Uh, it All Fades Away. <laughs> it All Fades Away. Yeah, it All Fades Away. Hmm. Sorry, names today. That's not uh, my favorite song. Okay. Uh, well, well, that's fine. You have no. Toys. There are many songs. In there. <laughs> there, there are many songs. Here we are. Here we go. <laughs> this is why we're doing this. <laughs> there are many songs that do make me cry. It all fades away. Is not one of them. <laughs> it does me. It has every time the simplicity yeah. of it. It's uh, musically, it's got some complexness mm -hmm. going on, but the lyric, yeah. lyrically, emotionally, it's straightforward and simple. And maybe that's just where I am okay. in my life or something. But. Yeah, it just hits me where I live. And the same thing with I'd Give It All For You from um, Songs for a New World. Maybe it doesn't make me cry every song. time, yeah. but it just... Very affecting. It's a great song. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Great song. So it was Songs for a New World, then he did Parade, then the last five years. Okay. Then Urban Cowboy, then 13. I forgot about that one. Then Bridges in Madison County, then Honeymoon in Vegas, then well. Mr. Saturday Night, most recently. So, well, But so there's okay. some sneakers there, too. <laughs> but same thing with Janine Tesori. I mean, they have sure. all hits, you know, yeah. depending on how you look at it. But uh, maybe I'll take some time to think about Jason Rob Brown's week. I'll listen to give him, give him more listen. <laughs> Which I mean, it's not a chore. I love his scores, so I mean, we'll see if we can give him that title. All That's right, we'll think about it. But either way, if it's Jason Robert Brown, if it's Adam Gettle, it's two fantastic choices. Agree to disagree. Indeed, no, they're both amazing. Yeah, sure. All of the above. Goodbye. Goodbye. And that song, sadly... I'm about to start crying right now. Means, oh, God, I know. I'm just okay. holding my hand Jeez. to my heart. I love uh, that song so much. Uh, it's our, our time with you, dear listener, has drawn to a close. Um, be sure, please, to tune into our next episode, where, as you heard earlier, we will be reviewing the new Sweeney Todd cast album Ooh. and talking about lots more interesting and amusing content. Thank you so, so much for listening to our very first episode of Settling Scores, the musical theater podcast. If you enjoyed it, please, please like, rate, and review us. And most importantly, tell your friends about it. Until next time, this is Stephanie. Lenny. Forrest. Saying farewell. farewell. So long, farewell. Oh, you don't think of my <laughs>